This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Hi, I'm Mitchell Walker, and when I'm not teaching people how to find hidden money, I'm out stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and on today's show, a recent study shows that Americans have trouble sticking to the plan. Speaking of that, did I ever tell you at that time I rode a donkey in Utah to that... All right, fine, I'll stick to the script. No need to yell... Where was I? Uh, yada, yada, yada. Stick to the plan. Okay, okay, all right, yeah. Americans have trouble sticking to the plan. Here to help us with tips to stay on track and grab our big money goals, we welcome New York Times bestselling author Nicole Lappin. Plus, in headlines, one publication touts a new investment that the author says is better than bonds. True? We'll share more. We'll also throw out the Haven Lifeline to Jenny, who worries that all of her money is locked up in her house and retirement accounts. How can she retire early when money's so hard to access? And of course, don't forget the best part of the show. I'll deliver your favorite segment of the show, my trivia. And now, two guys who wouldn't even be up yet if coffee weren't invented, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Second that. Well, as this is a live show, everyone knows. Um, so we're, we were doing this live at uh, 1 a.m. Monday morning. You're going to say live at whatever time you're listening, wherever you are. <laughs> wherever you are, it's always live. In fact, where you are, just look across the room because we're staring at you right now. Big old googly eyes. It is so creepy. Hey, welcome to the Creepy Podcast. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter and across the card table from me. Mr. Twitter expert himself, the one and only OG. You got your golf hat on today. Is that the deal? 
No, no, not not a golf hat. Although I wish I would have worn it. You but, do, uh, you nope, do, you do have a, a sunshine hat on. Like, this is yeah. This is it's too sunny, and I don't want you know. I want to protect my delicate skin from uh, the sun's evil rays. I love this time of year because I get to run and swim at the same time. <laughs> Humidity's a hundred percent, and yeah. I get done. I'm like, wow, I got two workouts in one. Gotta love it, Texas. Speaking of lots of things in one, thanks to Stamps.com for supporting Stacking Benjamins because they bundle a lot of cool services into one cool site. With Stamps.com, you can access all the services of the post office right from your desk. Right now, use SB for this special offer. A four-week trial includes postage and a digital scale. Go to stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, type in SB, and that's how you'll get your four-week trial. That's stamps.com, enter SB, and click the radio microphone. We also have a new sponsor, OG, thanks to Emperor Investments. It was fun learning about Emperor Investments lately for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Investing is complicated, and selecting the right equities can be daunting for even the most sophisticated investors, and that's why Emperor Investments, a new robo-investing platform, is offering Stacking Benjamins listeners personalized all-equity portfolios free for six months. That's six months. Did nice. I, did I say six months? Six months. To take advantage of this exclusive offer, visit emperorinvest.com slash SB. That's emperorinvest.com slash SB and select Stacky Benjamin's podcast under How Did You Hear About Emperor? Don't click Heard About It from Doug. Don't click uh, Heard About It Bathing. Right. Those click. are not... The drop downs are probably not even on the drop down list. Not, right? not, do not do that. Bathing is probably not an option. Click don't, sta- don't click other and right bathing either. Do, do not click. Sta- you know, somebody's going to please don't do that. Actually, please yeah, do don't not do that. Do that. Please don't. don't do that because they they actually like to know where uh, people came from. Click Stacky Benjamin's podcast during sign up. And that is at emperorinvests.com slash SB. We've got a great show. Nicole Lappin back in the basement for the third time. Third I love time. some of these. She gets uh, a medal. She does. Yes. We've had very few people on here three times. I'm thinking what Gene chatsky has been here three times from the Today Show. Rick Edelman's only been here twice. Jill Schlesinger, I think, has been here twice. Bobby Rebell, maybe? I've been here more than three times. <laughs> You've been here like there's, 800. There's me and you. 860. She gets that coupon for the uh, cheese fries at the Sizzler. You know how people get like... Uh, like a the, punch card at the subway? People talk about s- superhero movie fatigue. People starting yeah. to have OG fatigue. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I hope not Never because we got you on the whole show today, so we better get it started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Kiplinger. And this is written by David Braun, Investment Advisor Representative with uh, Financial and Insurance Services, Inc. Better than bonds? Question mark. A look at fixed un- annuity. uncapped fixed annuities. Bam. Fi- fixed indexed annuities. Obviously. Uh, most people have three basic hopes for their investments. They want growth, they want safety, and they want liquidity. Say it ain't so, OG. I can get all yeah. three. Tell me I can get all three. Can't get all three, but apparently this young man thinks we can. This investment comes with a magic wand. Unfortunately, it's next to impossible to find any one investment that offers next all three. Next to. 
impossible. Next, but this young man's going to tell us how to do it. <laughs> Here it comes. Usually if a product or strategy is particularly strong in one category, it's lacking in another area. If an investment has huge growth potential, for example, it's usually pretty risky. If you settle on one that's considered especially safe with little or no risk of loss, you likely have less growth and or liquidity. So there's the challenge. Finding the right portfolio balance has become increasingly important for investors, especially those who are near or in retirement. But without discipline, it's difficult to accomplish. Then he goes through, and why do they do this in annuity pieces? I told you about this, about somebody who wanted to come on the show and they wrote a book. And the first 170 pages of the book are all the bad things that could happen. And you always get this feeling when they have a complicated solution that they're holding it behind their back and they're not going to show you. And it, when it feels like they have to build the case too long. Thou doth protest too much. Yeah, that it's going nowhere good. So they talk about how market losses take a toll on portfolios. Mm -hmm. Let me guess, they do the, if you lose 40% of your portfolio, you need 80% returns. It, it just, the first part scares the hell out of you. This mm -hmm. is why, and I'm just going to skip to the this is why. So fear, fear, okay. fear, 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 fear. This is why fixed indexed annuities are often suggested as a bond substitute these days, especially for retirees. They protect your principal. They avoid the losses bonds can experience and provide reliable income, especially in times of increasing market volatility. Annuities versus bonds, new research. And then how indexed annuities work. And it goes through uncapped fixed annuities. When you put money into a product that an insurance company creates on your behalf... What do they do with the money? Are you asking me or are you asking this rhetorically for the audience to, because I know, I, I, ding, I know the answer. <laughs> call on me, call on me, 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 me. I know, I know. I'll say it because it was rhetorical. They invest okay. it. And so my question has always been, you've got two choices. You can pay somebody to invest the money the way that you probably should have, or you just invest the money the way you should have. Yeah. And it always frustrates me that we've got this hot product pitch that's in the way. Like I get why some of these companies, OG, are disrupting annuities. I just got back from a, a meeting at TIAA who's known for disrupting the annuity space. We, we've interviewed the people at Blueprint Income. They're disrupting the annuity space. You look at this area that's ripe for disruption. In fact, I read a piece recently about how many players now are entering insure tech, like the end of fintech that is insurance related. And there's so many people going there because... That part of the market sucks and it is just ripe for disruption. And I think a piece like this drives me crazy. Well, one of the things that is happening or happened, I guess, is remember about two years ago, the whole Department of Labor ruling about fiduciary responsibility. And there was a big pendulum swing in most of these firms to, oh, crap, we got to prepare for this, you know, the demise of commissions. And now all these companies invested a ton of money in doing that and getting ready for getting rid of commissions. And now, of course, the Department of Labor ruling was found to not be valid or whatever the legal term is, but they don't have it anymore. Right. It's null and void now. And so now all these companies are going, wait a second, we can swing it all the way back without huge repercussions. I think item number four on this person's list was how much money does this guy make? I think that also has to be the list of the list of, you know, growth, liquidity, uh, safety and uh, and how much money can I make on your on your money really quick? Like the longer the prospectus is, the more difficult the product is, it's a general rule the thought. more you're getting screwed. Right. You know what I mean? Now, again, for all of our annuity salesmen and women out there, 
there's a place for them. Absolutely, there's a place for them. In fact, I listened to a podcast, Brad Johnson from Advisors Excel, runs a great podcast for advisors. He had Roger Ibbotson on, listened to a little bit of it. Roger Ibbotson says, you should do fixed annuities instead of bonds. He quotes Roger Ibbotson in this piece. Yeah, well, again, you take like a snippet of of a quote, right? A huge hour-long interview probably, and then you can you can kind of parse it to however you want. The reality is that in financial product sales, there's a difference between being on the same side of your client if you're an adv- in, in, you know an advisor and being a product salesperson. And there's nothing wrong with either one of those. You just have to understand where the incentives are. If you put $100,000 in a fixed annuity, the annuity salesperson will likely get somewhere between four and $7,000 in commissions. Cha-ching. You have to understand that it's going to happen. You have to understand why it happens. And again, the longer the prospectus is, the more likely there's some pitfalls that you might be missing. So there's no bad products. There's just bad applications of products. And, and this is probably one of those catch-all pieces that really frustrates me, and I know it does you too. Like, hey, the solution to everybody's problem is fixed annuities. Hey, the solution to everybody's problem is you know, margin trading. Hey, the solution to everybody's problem is leap options on the S&P. It's not true. There's like different reasons for different things. Whenever I read better than in a headline, that's also a flag. Better than bonds, not better, different. Yeah. Yeah. Completely different. Different. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Our second headline comes to us from, and by the way, if you want to read more about fixed uncapped annuities, I realize we didn't, or uncapped fixed annuities rather, Uncapped fixed indexed annuities. Sorry, almost <laughs> because Get it straight. And there seriously is a difference. Just uh, we'll have our link on our show notes at stackybedjamins.com. I really don't want to go over uncapped fixed indexed annuities today. That no one, one else wants to either. Yeah, no, that was not the point. Our second piece comes to us from Napadash Net National Association of Plan Advisors. This is a website that's read mostly by four hundred one k and uh, pension plan management peeps. Is it back to the future for the Department of Labor's fiduciary rule? This written by Ted Gabbout. <laughs> I didn't even know this was coming. But While June 13th was widely cited as the last day the Department of Labor could appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, the Fifth Circuit's ruling vacating the fiduciary rule, that day's now come and gone a couple of weeks ago. It doesn't come as a surprise that the Department of Labor didn't seek a review by the high court. The AARP in three states had attempted in separate motions to intervene in the litigation, citing the Department of Labor's lack of action to appeal the case, but those efforts were soundly rejected. In the wake of that decision by the Fifth Circuit, the Department of Labor on May 7th issued Field Assistance Bulletin 218-02. Exciting reading, by the way. I love my field assistance bulletin 2018-02. Not nearly as good as 01, but a fitting sequel. (laughs) Announcing that it was extending until further notice its temporary enforcement policy relating to its rule defining who's a fiduciary and the associated prohibited transaction exemptions. At the time, Department of Labor explained that based on questions regarding fiduciary obligations in the aftermath of the March 15th ruling by the Fifth Circuit, it had concluded the financial institution should be permitted to continue relying on its temporary enforcement policy, providing the issuance of additional guidance. In other words, OG, they are temporarily thinking about continuing maybe to think about, but not actually moving on fiduciaries as oversight when it comes to your retirement plan. I think a lot of this also boils down to the frustration that consumers have with the jargon 
and the different titles that make absolutely no sense that are purely marketing. If the SEC were to step in and say, here are the terms, you know, one or two or three of them that fiduciary advisors can use, and here are the terms that everyone else can use, right, i.e. salespeople, then a lot of this goes away. I mean, I remember back in the day, I know you do too, on your business card, you used to write registered representative. That tells you what you were. I was licensed to procure and sell stocks for people. And I was basically a broker, right? I mean, we also put financial advisor on the business card, right? But, But it would be a lot easier if you could just write, if you could use the word advisor only in the context of fiduciary advisor. Yeah. And... If, sales rep on everything else. If the word advisor, spade spade. I totally agree. If the word advisor had teeth, it'd be so much easier. Yeah. I don't yeah. get it. So, well, but here's, know, I, I, I do because Merrill Morgan and all these big companies have trillions of dollars that they manage under the auspices of responsibility, but they just can't be. So, yeah, unfortunately you have to be smart enough to ask the question. So what do you mean by advisor? Explain what that means. Yeah. To me. Uh, so uh, Department of Labor, not now on the other side, we've got the Securities and Exchange Commission moving in. Some people, OG, say that the Se- Securities and Exchange Commission is a more appropriate group, more appropriate government agency to oversee any fiduciary legislation. Do you agree? Well, I don't know that I agree or disagree. I vehemently disagreed with the premise of how they got to the fiduciary law to begin with. You know, I thought it was flawed science, basically, like how what they were staking their their, you know, sticking their flag in the ground on the hill of was baloney, in my opinion. Only on your retirement plan, not on everything. Yeah. So just kind of half yeah, and half. That, like you could be a hybrid. They were using was just kind of, yeah. you know, suspect and is real frustrating. But um, nevertheless, you know, what do they say? The uh, what's the idiom about? Uh, it's not how you got there. It's just that where you're you know, at now. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't remember. But but anyway. Um, but here we are. But here we are, and it's not in force. And so consumers are back to having to uh, kind of unravel this on their own. So it's coming. Something will come of this, I think. Yeah, it's interesting to see where it goes from here. But really, I mean, if you're listening to this show, you're not waiting for a rule. I mean, that's been our take since the beginning. Don't wait for yeah. a rule. Ask the questions yourself that are important to you and your financial well-being. If you're waiting for the government, maybe that's lesson number one, OG. If you're waiting for the government, you're going to be waiting a long time. And then, that quote, I think Reagan said it, right? I'm here from the government. We're here to help. Right. <laughs> and then our second uh, takeaway from the first headline, better than, if somebody gives you a pitch that starts with better than, it uh, very well could be worse than, but it probably is an apple and an orange comparison. Nicole Appen is a New York Times bestselling author of two books. She, of course, appears all over the media. She's a frequent guest on the Steve Harvey show. She's been, uh, you name the morning show, OG, she's been there. Uh, Nicole is not only a whiz when it comes to financial planning issues and better control of your money. She also has been voted two years in a row 
on popular site Go Banking Rates, the number one trusted guru in their voting every year. Numero uno. Numero uno. But right now, Nicole is on this show. She's hilarious. She is brilliant. And we're so happy that she's going to talk about sticking with the plan today. So let's say hello to our good friend, Nicole Lappin. Coming down the stairs, my buddy, Nicole, my BFF, how are you? My gosh, Joe, I've missed you. I've missed you, you so invited me to game night you have not invited me to your wine drinking marathon i'm not thrilled with you right now i'm not gonna lie well i'm making up for lost time today how about that you got a lot of making up to do i can't go back you know this is like a money conversation nicole you can't go back and change all those bad things you did yesterday but tomorrow doesn't have to be the same we don't look back for safety we're just looking forward for winning so what are you doing what are you doing right after this we'll just play games yeah what are we playing there it is i like boggle we, oh, I, I like Boggle too, but I'm no good at it. I mean, you'd think that people like you and I, we write all the time that I'd be better with words, but longtime listeners know <laughs> I have maybe a seven word vocabulary. That's not true. I don't appreciate you talking about my friend like that. <laughs> um, my friend Joe is wicked smart and you don't like Scrabble. Is that what you're trying to say? I like Scrabble. I'm just horrible at it. I got to ask you a serious question about you. Before we talk about spending plans and some horrible statistics you have about how people mess up their own plans. I'm sorry. I thought Boggle was a serious question. (laughs) That's that's about as serious as we go. I got to, I guess, back away from that a little bit. I mean, we can't get too serious. When did you first start getting interested in money? Were you good with money in high school? Did your family talk about money? Tell me your, your background. None of that stuff. I grew up in an immigrant household, uh, first generation American pretty broken home. My family just used cash and I needed a job. I was 18 and I was looking for a J-O-B. I was in Chicago and I was offered a job on the floor of the Chicago Merck. I broke out into hives. I was sweating like crazy. This was the last thing I wanted to cover, but I needed the aforementioned job. So I figured it out and I realized that money is just a language like anything else. We just didn't have a Rosetta Stone growing up. And it was super confusing to me when I first started. It was like I was in China and did not speak Chinese. But then I started learning the language of money. And then I spoke it to the world. And uh, fast forward 15 years later, here I am uh, talking about boggle and money with you. Look at me now. (laughs) You're in a basement with Joe. Look at I've made it. Hashtag done. That's it. Yeah. Right there. Forget yes. being now the best money expert two years in a row. Thank you very much. This is my biggest accolade. Game night yeah. with Joe. Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, some people say Oprah's the top, really being here. But seriously, when you know, when you talk about money as a language, money really is a language, and people get afraid of this cliff, as you know, right? Like you were, I was certainly afraid of it. But once you learn it, some of this jargon, it, it's not that hard. It's not hard at all. And I think a lot of women, I will speak for myself, my former self, broke out into hives thinking about the Wall Street Journal or the Financial Times and thinking that it was a language that was inaccessible to us. The truth is that once you join that conversation, you can feel empowered. And that's what happened to me. Money was the last thing I wanted to get into. And I did not love it at all. 
a lot of financial experts or entrepreneurial experts will say, just go do what you love. And I disagree with that. I figured out how to love what I did. And uh, there is a lot to that. Not everyone can do what they love and just burn their corporate bra and join an alpaca farm or make an artisanal cheese shop or whatever. And when I started understanding the language of money, then I figured out I wanted to be that Rosetta Stone that I didn't have for my former self. Let's talk about your former self because there's a lot of people that are there now, right? I mean, you've got some some statistics, Nicole, that are kind of bad. Like people people get in their own way. They really mess up their money. Uh, yes. I. Are you talking about my former self? I got into so much debt. Debt is the only four-letter word I don't like. But if I could do this, anyone could do this. Honestly, I was dealt such a bad hand in life, and I played it the best I could. And if I could do it, honestly, anyone could do it. 44% of Americans have tapped into their retirement savings early for the wrong reasons, like paying off debt or bills. That's crazy bananas. I had to figure out how to pay off my $5,000 credit card debt by breaking it down day by day, prioritizing to pulverize highest interest rate first. We didn't learn this stuff in school. We learned um, how to dissect a frog. We learned the Pythagorean theorem. Why do we need to know that? Not entirely sure. It would be super helpful if they taught us how to pay off our debt or make a budget or do our taxes. Am I right? That's crazy talk. What? Did you get into debt? That's absolutely. I had I had huge debt, and our fans know that when I got out of college, I uh, well, when I went to college, when I went to college, the very first thing I did was went to this our uh, student union, Mark Clark Hall, and American Express had this cool table where I think they were giving away either a frisbee or a or a, a blanket or something really cool. And I learned how in ninety days to completely ruin my credit and have my Ooh. credit card taken away because With I was a blanket. I was at a military college and I couldn't have a job because I was at a military. How do you, how, wh- how do you take a bunch of your friends out for lunch and go buy a sweater on a credit card with no plan of paying it back? Um, and people do that. People do it all the time. I mean, you know, people take money out of their 401k, like you 44% of people. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Um, 22% have done so to, cover a financial emergency, like a job loss. You can find all of this stuff on gobankingrates.com. It's really staggering to me. And it's something that for me, I had to forgive my former self for not knowing all of these things, but then I had to get real. So I think it's a combination of forgive your former self, but then let's have a little bit of tough love. So this doesn't happen again. Well, how do you have that tough love then? Let's talk about that conversation, like the techniques that you have. Because people can say all day long, as you know, hey, I'm going to change tomorrow, right? It's like, I'm going to have a new diet tomorrow. Yeah, no, you're not. You're going to do the exact same thing you did yesterday. How do you make that switch? Well, you stop thinking of it as a diet. I think you think of it as a spending plan. I do. In the same way as you would think of an eating plan. It's something sustainable, right? So a diet to me sounds like a scary crash diet budget that's not going to be sustainable, where you cut out your morning latte. (laughs) This is hilarious to me. Everybody says the first month of the year, Nicole, you would be so proud of me. I cut out my morning latte. I'm like, okay, let's see how that goes. A couple months in, you would be so proud of me. I cut out the morning latte, but I bought myself a Gucci bag because I was so good. 
No, the thing is, you were so deprived, and that's why you binged. And that's what happens on one of those Adkins. I don't know what's a fad diet these days, but those types of things where you then end up in the middle of the night noshing on a big old hunk of chocolate cake in the fridge because you're so hungry and so deprived. If you allow yourself a little Hershey's kiss, you're not going to do that. So I think a financial spending plan um, would be the same way as you would think of an eating plan that's sustainable, and it allows you to have that small indulgence. That latte, I don't, it, it's not the latte. The latte is symbolic. Whatever does it for you. The mani-pedi, your haircut. You're not talking <laughs> about my haircut. I'm just kidding. <laughs> With, I, I love how you just ripped me at the end of that. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting you right know, here. Like, listen, you got some catching up to you. You haven't called in quite some time. So <laughs> that, that was great. Just Nicole Byrne. When, when you do that, paper and pencil, spreadsheet, technology like one of these apps like Mint or Clarity Money or whatever it might be, does it matter? I think whatever you stick to, you can get a pink colored pencil if you'd like. You can write on the back of a Monopoly game box. You know, I think that once you start getting too fancy, sometimes you don't have that same accountability. You don't feel it as much where you're going on an app perhaps, and that has worked for a lot of folks. I don't know what you use, but it's really easy to then, instead of opening that app, open up Instagram or open up a shopping app or open up something else. And when I started this, I was really, really old school and I just opened up a spreadsheet and I came up with my financial goals. I reverse engineered and figured out how to get the money to live the life I want. Because a lot of people will say to me, you know, Nicole, I just want a million dollars. I'll be rich if I have a million dollars. I'm like, oh yeah? What are you going to do with that million dollars? Maybe you need more than a million dollars. Maybe you need less than a million dollars. I have no idea. First, figure out the life you want to live and then figure out how to pay for that life. I love that reverse engineering because to your point, a million dollars even isn't what people think it is. I mean, a million dollars, if you use the 4% rule, which I know is flawed, but if you just use that, that's a $40,000 a year lifestyle. And well, that's nice. And that's, that's, that's decent. You could live on that money. You're not a baller on 40,000 bucks. Well, you're a baller no matter how much money you have, Joe. But yes, I understand the point of that. The point is to first really look ahead to, I break it down, one, three, five, seven, ten 10-year goals. What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, that question you get all the time from in-laws, from coworkers. I got so much anxiety when I heard those questions because I didn't actually answer the question for myself. And so I think that's one of the first steps to getting your financial life together is knowing the direction you're going in. It's like, hey, Joe, we're going to a party in Texas. Okay, cool. Like, where is the party? <laughs> what city are we going to? What street are we going to? What are we wearing? I have so many questions about this party. You know, think of your life in the same way. We spend so much time researching a vacation or you know, researching more board games to put in the basement or whatever. How much of that time would be devoted to planning out your life? Hello, that's pretty important too. Or your retirement or the stuff that we're saying uh, Americans are tapping into because they cannot get their financial lives together. That is not the answer. I've read people lately talking about emergency funds aren't all they're cracked up to be. It's money that's sitting there earning next to nothing. And if you've got a credit card available that you can go to, if you actually have this emergency, that probably won't happen. Just use the credit card. What do you think about that? I think that you can't go to the supermarket and buy groceries with 
a mortgage. You know, there's so many folks that are house poor and don't think about having that emergency fund first. And so if something, God forbid, happens to you or your spouse or and you can't work, then having that something liquid, something in cash is something you need to figure out before you even get into that house discussion. Don't folks ask you that all the time? How do I get a house? It's like, oh, 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 hold up, wait a minute. Let's talk about all the other components to your financial life first. You know, I think that there's this idea that you don't buy a latte and you buy a house and that's your ticket to financial freedom. It's not. Like the financial gods are not going to come out down and beat you up because you rent a place and buy your latte. So it's not one size fits all. And that was, you know, that was my goal. I think right now it's important to rethink conventional financial wisdom and start thinking for yourself. So not all of these rules are relevant to you, right? It's like when I first went vegetarian, my family ate meat. I could have liked to eat meat for the rest of my life, but there was a moment where I stopped and thought, hey, is meat for me? And the answer was no, but the answer could have very well been yes. But I think it's that same moment in your financial life where you stop and say, hey, is buying a house for me? Maybe the answer is yes. Maybe it's because I'm going to live in this house for the rest of my life. The answer should be no if it's going to be an investment or if it's some flipping situation on HGTV. But there is that moment where you just have to look in the mirror. Take that financial selfie instead of all the other selfies (laughs) that you have in your camera roll, Joe, right? How many selfies do you have? You know me so well. All I do is sit around and snap selfies of this beautiful face. That's all I do. Why were you not on the GoBankingRates.com best money expert competition? You are my money expert. We were all voting for you. That's why. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, I'm not in it this year. I run twice and now there's amazing financial experts in a whole bunch of categories from money management to building net worth to retirement and all sorts of stuff. Amazing women like Brittany Castro, awesome. um, Marsha Barnes. Fantastic. They're awesome. Yep. You need to join. I don't get it. Great Why people. didn't you come to this party? I'm not a financial woman. In- <laughs> no, there are men too. Oh, there's men too. Okay. <laughs> I just don't pay attention to any of that stuff. And I don't- But isn't it cool that more people are getting in this game? That the- Absolutely. The fact that there yes. is like a money idol competition yes. just shows us that it is so much more zeitgeisty that people want to join this conversation. Absolutely. I love how the community is growing. I love the, uh, you know, the whole fire movement. I love that. I love people getting passionate about reaching their goals more quickly in life, doing what they want to do versus doing something else and just realizing that the money's just a tool. But to your point, you know, I'm speaking the language just because it's a language I have to know to get what I really want. Like, I don't really want to speak that language. I just want to get what I want. And I love, I love, love, love that. I want to ask you something about people of different ages, though. Somebody's just starting off and we have, as you know, we have a wide audience of people. So I'm going to ask you about different age groups. Nicole, if you don't mind, tell me what you think, like some of the main things people in that age group should think about. So I'm just out of college. Maybe I'm in my 20s just starting to get my feet wet when it comes to good money management. What's the biggest thing that person needs to know? So we talked about that spending plan and that spending plan for me, I love alliteration. So maybe you are just finished sitting under a tree, reading books like I was in college or buying a blanket like you were uh, in military I had a free blanket. Well, I bought the, I bought the, I'm sorry. That was not a free blanket, Joe. It's true. No, no. I bought that blanket many, many times over. Yes. It, but that better have been like a cashmere 
like special rare fancy blanket. Um, no, I think breaking it down for me into the three E's was helpful. Essentials, end game, and extras. So I put 70% into the essentials, 15% into the end game. So that's future Nicole, the future Betty White baller retirement lady that I'm going to be. And then 15% into the extras. So that's the equivalent of the morning latte. It's so important to put those extras into your budget. So you're not going cold tofurkey. Um, And you actually can have something that keeps you on track and keeps you from binging later on. Somebody's in their 40s. They have the three E's uh, figured out. What's the big thing for somebody in their 40s to think about? I think it's about coming up with, you know, your financial goals. I break down into the three F's. Can you tell how much I love alliteration? (laughs) Um, Family, finance, and fun. And for women in particular, you know, the family portion is something that we often talk about separately than finances. Well, there's nothing more time, money, and energy intensive than children. So I think these conversations need to be had together. But I also suggest sub-savings accounts. So to actually visualize where you're putting this money. In your 40s, it's really important uh, to make sure that you're actually sticking to the plan. And sometimes it's just a psychological trick. If you come to it from a place of aspiration versus deprivation, you're probably more likely to stick to it. So I have a ton of savings accounts. Do you? I do. Oh, no, absolutely. You know, we're headed to Bavaria in the fall and we set up this whole separate savings account just specifically for Germany. And whenever I, I have extra money or we had a little garage sale thingy. We used declutter and threw a bunch of stuff in a box and made a little bit of cash that way. That all goes in that Germany fun fund. And you see that, right? It Absolutely. says Germany. Yes. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a blast. It, it makes it so much more fun. And you're right. Aspirational beats, uh, you know, worrying about it all day long. Okay. Because so, you, you know, don't dig in the couch for coins or clip coupons. You start thinking, Hey, if I made more money, I wouldn't have to feel so deprived and I wouldn't have to save, feel like I'm saving so much money. You can come to it from a place of aspiration and then everybody could come with you to Germany. I love party, party in Bavaria with Joe. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going obviously like I, I, I'm not now. Here's what I know about you. I'm not waiting for my invitations. I'm just inviting. Everybody myself. knows that about me. So I'm going to be calling. Yeah. I'm just calling you to get on the show all the time. I'm just going to show up to the marathon in France. I'm going to sh- I'm showing up everywhere. That that's fantastic. You're welcome anytime. Obviously. Thank you. Here are you kidding me? <laughs> uh and, and then 60s, tell me. So I said 20s you gave me E's, 40s you gave me F's. So tell me for somebody in their 60s or older, you're not going to give me G's. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give you a G5. That's what I'm going to give you. <laughs> nice. What's interesting and I just did a segment for Kelly and Ryan about going abroad for retirement. Have you talked about this much on the show? Uh, we have some because of the fact that things can be so much less expensive, like surprisingly less yeah. expensive. Yeah. Yeah. You can be a big baller in some places. You can have a staff, you can have a personal nurse, uh, you can have housekeeper, all sorts of things. I think it's about rethinking what that actually looks like to you and not, again, getting back to the just because that's the way it's always been done or just the way that's how I thought this was going to be doesn't mean that's the way it needs to be. So just take a pause and say, well, maybe I want to, you know, head abroad. Maybe I want to go to Germany to retire. No, but there's, uh, there's legit a lot of places that you could live super large 
starting uh, into your golden years. I like that idea, though, of keeping things flexible because Dr. Steve Wendell from Morningstar was on last week talking about behavior and about how, hey, if you don't think retirement's going to happen for you, you just got to change change the plan. I mean, change the scenario, change the way that you're looking at things, right? And it's not about necessarily just saving more money or living on less. It's maybe a little bit of all these different things. And I mean, moving abroad can change things completely for somebody. I think that's true. I think it's about, you know, giving a little here or taking a little from there. And then also, you know, just thinking maybe even of a mini retirement, because I think now, you would think I'm going to retire at a certain age. Well, maybe you take like a one year sabbatical or something and then you head back and you're super stoked to go back to work and you hit it really hard. And then you're not feeling like you're just working for this one particular age. Like there's, again, no one size fits all. But yeah, if you want to go to places like, you know, Mexico, Costa Rica, Cambodia, Thailand, uh, Guatemala, you know, the cost of living is 25% of that in the United States. You can get you know, this full-time staff worn basically nothing. So you'll be surprised if you think about all these exotic locations, potentially. It's so awesome. And not something a lot of people think of, which is, of course, why we have you on the show, to bring up all the stuff that people don't even think of. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> See, now, I think we're even now. You've called me brilliant. I really appreciate it. You've invited me on your family vacations. Um, you're allowing me to play Boggle, even though you don't like it. I think we're good. And I you... Think- and you made fun of my bald head. We're good. We can find a lot of these studies on go banking rates. We can find Nicole on go banking rates where she's won twice the uh, guru extraordinaire person forever, I guess. <laughs> Keep going. The queen. Listen, you know, by the way, there are a ton of amazing financial experts there. It's really any given Sunday. Anyone could have won at any um, oh, that's at very any nice. year. It's just, yes. you know, it's like NFL. Let's be serious. I'd like Everybody. to thank, I'd like to thank all the other nominees. I hear the pitch. Like, thank everybody else. I won. You didn't. <laughs> I'm not, listen, now we're just having this amazing competition with a bunch of other finalists in different categories who are sharing their personal stories. And everybody has a unique story about how, you know, their financial strategy has been shaped. Mine is just mine. I was, you know, a girl who needed a job, like I told you in the beginning, you know, was an immigrant's daughter. My family worked on cash. My father died really young of a drug overdose. Like things were not awesome for me. I'm not going to lie, you know, but that's not everybody's story. Some people may have sat around the table and kumbayaed with, you know, the Wall Street Journal. That was not my case. I would like to be invited over to that breakfast table, but that was not me. Again, it's really about opening up. I think it's really important in the money conversation is I show you mine if you show me yours. And oftentimes when I become really vulnerable and say, hey, look, if you want to keep it real, like beyond the glossy veneer of all this other stuff, you know, is, is a real story that might not be sexy in headlines, but is the truth. I think all of a sudden then folks find license to open up about their own situation, their own debt, their own tribulations. And I think that's when you really start making change. Both of my books are 12 step plans on purpose because the first step is admitting you have a problem, but having that self-awareness is the first step truly. Well, that's absolutely. That's what we love about you is that you're, you're so real and honest 
And I think that a lot of people put financial gurus on these pedestals like they're different people than us, right? They're, they somehow have this money magic where every time they take out their wallet and you're proof that, um, that y- it doesn't have to be magic. You can just apply systems and some thought to it and get the job done no matter what your background is, no matter where you came from. I think that's pretty powerful stuff. Where does everybody find you, Nicole? I would like to find a magic wallet, by the way. <laughs> know, me too. Where do I get that? <laughs> Where do you find me? What do you mean? You find me on... I mean, people want to say hi to media. Nicole. Absolutely. If people want to say hi. NicoleLappin.com, GoBankingRates.com slash Nicole Lappin, at Nicole Lappin on all the things. Talk to me. Ask me questions. I'll answer all the questions. You can find me in Joe's basement. Play and boggle. Absolutely. Uh, yes, on a plane, I'm constantly, I feel like when people ask me where I live, I say at the airport. <laughs> and I know you well enough to know that that's totally true. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Nicole, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. And by the way, if you're walking the dog on your morning commute, wherever you might be, we'll have all the links to Nicole on our show notes at stackybedjamins.com. Stay out of trouble, Nicole. Ever. Amen, Woo-hoo. sister. Thank you. Yay. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and although it's always hard to follow Nicole Lappin, we're going to give it a go, as Joe's mom says, and share today's trivia question. Ready? What are the two common ways stocks make money for an investor? I'll be back with the answer and maybe a helping a Joe's mom's cherry cobbler in just a moment. Well, thanks to our new sponsor, Emperor Investments, for supporting this podcast. Emperor Investments is a new tech-driven investment platform looking to shake up the investing space. And it's offering all of our Stacky Benjamins listeners personalized, all equity portfolios, fee-free for six months. You know how OG likes all equities? Here you go, stackers. Emperor's portfolios comprise some of the largest and best-known dividend-paying U.S. companies, Emperor Investments is a lifestyle investment company. What does that mean? Well, they understand that investors have different goals and dreams, like a new house, a dream vacation, retirement, and more. Emperor's platform creates customized portfolios designed to help you meet all those life goals. Emperor invests solely in individual dividend-paying stocks, giving clients tailored portfolios. How does it work? To take advantage of this exclusive offer, visit emperorinvest.com dot com forward slash sb and select stacky benjamin's podcast under how did you hear about emperor during sign up that's emperorinvests.com forward slash sb and then click down to stacky benjamin's podcast and that tells them like mom says that we sent you stacky benjamin's is also presented by stamps.com you know these days You can get practically everything on demand, like Stacking Benjamins, right? Listen wherever you want when it's convenient for you. You know, you can also get your postage on demand. All you need is Stamps.com. Here's how it works. With Stamps.com, you can access all the services of the post office right at your desk. It's like having a post office right at your desk. Buy and print real U.S. postage for any letter or any package, all available 24 hours a day, unless you decide to close your desk. How crazy would that be? No, I'm sorry. My desk is closed. Are you kidding me? All available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just click, print, mail, and bam, you're done. 
Stamps.com is even going to send you a digital scale so you can weigh your letters and packages and anything you want, get crazy, but then you'll print the exact amount of postage every time. In fact, we've used Stamps.com to send out books to people, all the prizes and giveaways that we do. Stamps.com works great for us here in the basement. I think it'll work for you too. Right now, pause the show and use SB for the special offer. A four-week trial, including postage and that digital scale. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in SB. That's how you tell them we sent you that stamps.com and enter SB. Man, oh man, trivia fans, I got to tell you, Joe's mom's cherry cobbler is so good, I almost left you hanging. But then I realized that we're friends, and how the heck am I going to borrow 10 bucks from you tomorrow for that great steak and shrimp thing you done at the Sizzler? if I don't show you how to follow through today. So here it goes. Today's question was this. What are the two main ways a stock makes money for an investor? The first is called capital appreciation, which means the share price rises in value. Let's say you bought a stock in Joe's mom's new cobbler stand at 10 bucks a share. Oh man, that's a fantastic idea. And you sold it for 15 bucks later. That's capital appreciation. And a lot of it. The second way stocks make money is through a dividend. Dividends happen when the board decides to pay out profits to shareholders. While dividends are rarely guaranteed, some companies pay them regularly, while others never pay a dime. So if you're investing in a stock, check out not just a chart showing the stock going up, 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 but find out how big a dividend they've paid along the way. Speaking of dividends, isn't being my buddy paying dividends? Imagine how much more, you know, now that you know me. You're welcome. And just remember that tomorrow when I need 10 bucks. See ya. Thanks again to Nicole Lappin for coming down to the basement. And by the way, you didn't know the two ways that stocks make money for an investor, did you? No, never heard of them. Doug Hall was teaching something. Yep, trying. Well, let's see if we can help somebody out right now, OG, by throwing out the Haven Lifeline. Let's tackle some of life's, or rather, life insurances in this case. Most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they're disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things you value most. Dividends and capital appreciation. <laughs> bada boom, bada bing. What? Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Or your family and your time. But hey, more dividends, more capital appreciation. You can always buy more family and more time. Well, with all those dividends, we sure you, can. You can buy plenty of families if you get enough capital appreciation. A lot of people want to be your friends. <laughs> That's why they created the simple way to buy affordable, dependable term life insurance online. I'm thinking about buying half a million dollars myself on OG and then uh, feeding them mushrooms. Coleslaw. <laughs> <laughs> feeding them coleslaw, right? <laughs> this is great. I tried it myself. I got a fever and the fever says more coleslaw. Dink, 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 dink. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free estimate for coverage and learn about life insurance the modern way. You know, we joke about that, but seriously, if I had a half a million dollars insurance on you and it paid off, like I think about all the things I could do with that money, but seriously, <laughs> that is that is where you start, isn't it? You start with, hey, my family passes away. What would I need to have happen? And although oh, I joke, you call me part of your family. Although I joke, no, I joke about it with no, no, oh. no. That's a bridge too far, dude. But that's gotcha. but that's where you start. You start with, hey, what do I need to have happen? 
And then yeah. I want that process to be quick. And that's why I go to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. And today on the Haven Lifeline, we're saying hi to our new friend, Jenny. Say hi, Jenny. Hi, Joe and OG. This is Jenny from Houston, Texas. My husband and I are 33, live off of a single income, mine, with our three little boys. We recently, as in this month, just hit a significant net worth milestone. And while I realize this is pretty amazing for people our age and something worth celebrating, I looked up and realized we are actually not any closer to retiring early than anyone else because our most of our net worth is tied up in our home and in retirement accounts that I can't access until I'm 59 and a half without penalty. I'd really like to retire earlier than 59 and a half, putting me in the FIRE community. Can you give me any advice of where to put my assets so that I do have money I can access between the age I want to retire and 59 and a half? I appreciate any advice you can give me and promise to learn nothing. I look forward to hearing your advice on the podcast, which I only listen to when I have literally nothing else to do. Thanks. (laughs) All other options are gone. And then she listens to the Stacky Benjamin show. Well, it would be helpful if Jenny gave us the idea of when she wanted to retire. Right. Like she says, hey, I want to retire early. Like at 58. Is that early? 41. There's a big difference. That is the whole issue of beginning with the end in mind. But but now, Jenny, in your defense, fantastic. She has an idea. She just didn't say Well, yeah, but I'm I'm also saying fantastic job saving early and often. But you look at people save into easy places. And by the way, I like pressing the easy button and saving into easy places, getting rid of debt. I think that makes sense. The frustrating part is obviously now Jenny's created a whole other problem. Great problem to have, but um, begin with the end in mind. Well, let's dispel a couple of myths. First of all, you can access your retirement plan at 55. As long as you retire and separate from service, there's no penalty from that. So that's a little special rule for 401ks, you know, depending on what type of qualified plan, you know, if it's like a SEP, if you're self-employed, it doesn't work that way. But, uh, you know, you're kind of run of the mill 45. If you leave employment the year you turn 55 or later, you can access that plan as long as it stays in the 401k for that four-year period. There's also another way that you can access retirement plan assets before 55 and before 59 and a half. It's a little more complicated. It's called Rule 72T or SEPP. They'll say it called a SEP plan. Basically, the long and the short of that is you can take retirement plan assets out without a penalty as long as you do the same amount every year for at least five years or until you turn 59 and a half. So let's say that you wanted to retire at 50 and you've got um, $3 million in your 401k, and you're like, well, shoot, the 55 plan doesn't work because I'm before 55. So now I've got to, you know, I still want to retire. You want definitely don't want to go with this alone, right? You need a CPA to help you with this. You need a financial planner to help you with this to do the calculations because there's some pitfalls. But the long and the short of it is, is you just do this calculation that the IRS provides, and it says you can take out, you know, 70000 a year. And as long as you take 70,000 a year out for five years or until you're 59 and a half, right? So if you're 50, you got to do it for nine and a half years. You take 70 grand a year out. There's no penalty. Now you still pay taxes, but you're going to pay taxes anyway. So there's different ways to do this. Like you were talking about in terms of beginning with the end in mind, this really matters, right? If you're planning on retiring at 45 or retiring at 58 as quote unquote early retirement, you have to start thinking about that now in terms of your savings, but there's two you know, ends of that stick there. Right now you're getting a tax deduction by putting money in your qualified plan. 
you lose that tax deduction so that a that changes the effective contribution rate, so to speak, right? You know, if you're going to use something like maybe a brokerage account or a Roth IRA or something like that, that'll allow you some earlier flexibility. But I think you first have to figure out what are those gap years, right? So you've got, just say 60, because 59 and a half is a stupid age that the stupid IRS puts in there. <laughs> right, right. I don't even understand it. Why didn't they just say 60 no, or 59? No you idea. Know? At 70 and a half, right, you got to start taking money out. And people freak out. Like, no, no, no. You have to take money out by April 1st, the year following the year you turn 70 and a half. Can it get more complicated? You know, why not just say, anyway. So you figure out those gap years, right? So let's say that you wanted to retire at 50. You need to figure out how much money do I need to have saved from 50 to 60 so that I can let my 401k or retirement plan sit there and do its thing while I deplete this other account so that by age 60, that now I start turning that on. And then I use some of that. And then at 66, I turn on social security or 67, you know, I turn on social security. So I've got a seven year window there where I'm going to take out a little bit more. And then at 67, I'm going to reduce my contribution. You know what I mean? So we're kind of planning out that cash flow. Um, and once you do that, you know, that's going to be uh, helpful in terms of determining now, where do I put the money? And then also what types of investments do I use? Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to start invest, you know, if you need the money at 35 and you're 33 right now, that's going to change the investment Strategy, also yeah. in addition to the place that it is. So kind of a couple of different layers there. I look at uh, tactically, Jenny, take that part of the question, three different ways you can go. Uh, some people will tell you to go with a Roth IRA because you, after five years in a Roth IRA, you can get at some of the principal money. I like leaving the Roth IRA money, though, to offset pre-tax money that's in that 401k right now. So I like using Roth money after 59 and a half, if possible, too. And you kind of destroy that a little bit by taking it earlier. So I, that nixes that idea for me, which means that I do one of two different strategies. I can build an income stream using dividend stocks, real estate, uh, investment real estate, that kind of thing. The problem with that is you're building a taxable vehicle where as, as you're pulling out money, it's spinning off taxes. Now, initially, you're reinvesting that money, but you still got to pay the tax. So it's a highly taxable way to go. You can also go with more of a appreciation strategy, right? We always get back to Doug's trivia question here, OG, the two ways that investments make money. Dividends and interest are taxable where capital gains aren't taxable until you take them. So look for appreciating investments, which is one of two different things that you can do. You can either buy stocks that don't uh, pay big dividends, but then take that money out later. Again, to OG's point, you're not going to do that if it's a short-term goal, more if, let's say, it's a age 50 to 55 to bridge that gap. So just open up a Emperor Investments account or w whatever you want to do there, a non-qualified, non-IRA brokerage account. Second thing you could do, which is infinitely more dangerous is to, and, and a lot less likely, but could be big, is build an income stream by building a company. You know, I don't know what you do for a living. You, you talk about you live on one income. Maybe you have time to build another income stream that's a, a business that you can sell by 50-55. So real estate, maybe. Dividend-paying stocks, maybe. High-yield bonds, maybe. Build a business, build appreciating stock portfolio. Some combination. Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of different ways to do it. Some combination of those. You know, Steve Wendell from Morningstar last week said that it usually isn't one of those either, Jenny. It's a combination of all those, right? Just choose the combination that works best for you. 
Thanks for the question, Jenny. We also get letters down here in the basement, and today's no exception. Doug brought down the mailbag, and we've got a letter here from Andrew. Andrew writes, hey, Joe and OG, first off, love the show, even though I haven't learned a thing. I'd like some insight about what my wife and I should do about paying off student loans as fast as possible or investing the money. The only bad debt we have is about $5,500 left on a car loan we're planning to have paid off in about four months. After that, we'll be left with my student loans. My wife came with no debt. She thinks husbands are extremely expensive. (laughs) That's pretty good, Andrew. I have about $140,000 in student loans and about $130,000 left on a mortgage. Isn't that student loans higher than the mortgage, OG? That's a sign of the times right there. We've owned the house for a year. Currently, I contribute 6% to my 401k and my company matches 4%. My wife contributes 12% to her 401k with no employer match. I'm due for a $25,000 raise in September when I complete my boards to become a certified orthodontist. Why do I read that? My teeth hurt. We have a three-month emergency fund. Should we focus on paying off the student loans as quickly as possible with interest rates ranging from 35 to 6.5 or start contributing to a Roth 401k since we both have the option through our employers? Right now, I'm leaning toward paying the student loans off in about six years or less than max out both Roth 401ks. Currently, we make a combined 95000 and as I said, above that, we'll move up to about 120000 soon. Lastly, we're both 27 with no children. My wife's been contributing to her 401 for five years, and I just started this year. Our ultimate goal is to retire at the age of 55. I'd appreciate your guidance, but of course, I won't take your word for it, and I'll speak to someone in person as well. Thanks again in advance, and say hi to mom for me. Your new friend, Andrew. Andrew's not just our new friend, our new BFF, because you wrote a letter to us. Uh, we will say hi to mom, Andrew, but right now, OG's going to tackle this one. Student loan debt or get invested? Why not do a little bit of both? You know, set up a timeline that is tenable for paying that off, right? I mean, if you let the government tell you a timeline, they're going to tell you 25 years. So you probably want to do it just a skosh faster than uh, the next quarter century. Gosh, it's so long when you think of it that way. Maybe seven years or six years or 10 years is the right time, but you can't overlook the impact of compounding by contributing money to your retirement accounts early. And so I like the idea of starting with, uh, like we talked about with Jenny a second ago, start with how much money you need by the time you get to 55 and how much money that means in terms of savings now. Make sure you're on track for that. And then extra money, kind of like what you're talking about here, hey, I'm going to get a pay raise, direct that towards student loans, um, knowing that in the in the back end, you know, you'll be able to uh, to add that to savings as well to kind of to kind of buoy it. My fear is, is that if you wait too long to contribute to your retirement accounts, kind of already 27, right? And you've got another six years. Now you're 33. That only gives you slightly over 20 years to accumulate all the money that you need for your uh, retirement time period. And there's a lot of changes that are going to happen between 27 and 55. It's a stretch. It's a stretch what I'm going to say next. But the... uh, but if you get a 10% rate of return, and I get that that's a, that's a stretch, but let's say that you do, using the rule of 72, that means in 7.2 years, your funds will double if you start today. If you wait six years, you're missing out on the first double. And the first double is not the important one. The last one is. So the quicker you can make that first double, the better off you're going to be, which is why I wholeheartedly agree that you got to do some of that investing right now. Especially, and I'm very curious, what percent of those 
loans are at six and a half versus three and a half, because that's also material. Six and a yeah. half, the risk premium, meaning the difference between six and a half and a potential eight, which is more reasonable in the stock market that you might get, is a small enough difference that I really like paying off the six and a half. But the three and a half percent, dude, unless unless you're paying a lot every month and we can capture a lot of cash flow, let those babies go. So I wouldn't, unless you know, we can take some nibbles. I wouldn't do a Dave Ramsey on these and line them up like a snowball. I would attack those six and a half percent interest rate debts first. Yeah. It definitely depends on how it's structured. You know, different places have different rules on how they apply over principal contributions. Um, there's obviously all the ideas about consolidating the loans. You can go to magnify money and find loan consolidation places that will, you know, lessen that impact a little bit in terms of the interest rate on, on the ones that you want to consolidate, right? You got some at three, that's great. Yeah, you want to kind of piecemeal this strategy. I don't think that you just do kind of the normal snowball thing, like you said, Joe, because at the end of the day, if you can free up some cash flow, that's important too uh, along the way. So start with the what do I need my my cash flow to look like in retirement? How much money do I have to save at 8 or 9% between now and then? And then use that extra pay raise, extra pay raises over these next uh, half decade or so to knock out that student loan. I think I, th I still think it can be done in that 6-year time period yeah. just maybe a different order. Yeah. Great question, Andrew. Thanks for that question. And if you've got a question for the show, head to stackybenjamins.com. And at the top of the page, you'll see the questions tab. Click that and you'll see all the ways you can interface with the show. People are nice enough to leave us reviews of this here podcast. And we've gotten some great ones lately. This one went on Mom's Refrigerator. And she's very proud of it. Shows the Bridge Club this one all the time. Hilarious personal finance fund, five stars from A.H. Row 827. What parents are sick enough to give their kids that name? A.H. <laughs> Row 827. Uh, money talk doesn't need to be stuffy, boring, and uncomfortable. The Stacky Benjamins crew knows that well. They made personal finance fun again. Very crisp review. And that's why mom loves it. Thanks a ton for doing that. Also, and the last thing we'll talk about today, OG's taking clients. So if you're somebody that needs help with your financial plan, you're about to get serious about your money, finally head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G, and that will lead you to his calendar. And you can talk to OG about moving forward more quickly. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Stick it a fork in it. We are done. Doug, you got it from here, man. So what did we learn today? First, take some advice from Nicole Lappin. Accountability buddies and saying your goals out loud can be the key to your success, as can writing out your goals and revisiting them. Second, heard about the new new thing investment? Yeah, it always pays to apply a little research before taking your hard-earned money and just investing it into something that sounds good. Remember, fees, penalties for early withdrawal, and potential tax consequences when you need your cash. But the big lesson... Don't go back to Joe's mom's cobbler for thirds. I'm just saying. I, I totally will, but you shouldn't. It's really not that great. Really. Oh, who the heck am I kidding? It's just wonderful. Special thanks to Nicole Lappin for joining us on today's podcast. You'll find her books wherever books are sold. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. 
Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I do not like computer jokes. Not one bit. SB Podcast may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. I forgot to talk about this last week, but um, Father's Day weekend was just over a week ago. Mm-hmm. It was pretty funny. Leading into that, my son got me a great gift, got me a uh, racing game, Forza 7. He now he now works for Microsoft. And I'm sure he got a big fat discount, but I don't really care because I don't That's get- That's great. I, yeah, I don't get much time to play video games, but- being able to play. Let him know that uh, OG likes Microsoft stuff too. You know, if he's feeling generous. He got me the ultimate edition, like super, it, it, it I swear it's swallowed my entire. Comes with a real Bugatti. <laughs> it's in the driveway. It's amazing. <laughs> it's great. And he paid like 14 bucks for it. He, uh, but anyway, so I spent my father's day because my kids are out of town. I talked to my dad. I talked to my kids and I played racing games. It was a great way to spend the day. But speaking of gifts, my son, by the way, is incredibly frugal, which is why I know this game was probably deep discount on sale at the Microsoft store. He took it out of the employee lounge. (laughs) Right. Somebody left it sitting there and he uh, scored himself a discount. No, but but, uh, Cheryl and I were talking about family. You know, everybody has their own values, but family time, very important to us. And so our kids... We've always talked about how we love getting together with our extended family from all over the place at Thanksgiving. And I know my kids are really into that, but I want to see my kids a couple times during the holidays. So I made them both a deal. I said, okay, you guys got to figure out Thanksgiving on your own. But uh, mom and I, our present to you every year is going to be, we will fly you to wherever we are. So you get the time off. You tell us how long you can stay, but we will pay for those flights and you can just bank on that. You just tell us how long you can stay, stay, stay for a long time. So you're checking out driving distances from Texarkana <laughs> and also have airports and you're like, well, let's see, there's cheap flights into Florence, Kentucky. <laughs> into Orlando. <laughs> we could probably drive from there. The good news is, is, and we've done Dallas a lot, right? And that's, you don't get much less expensive than flights in and out of Dallas. So 
I'm talking about for your kids. You're finding places that are cheap to fly your kids to that are also cheap for you to guys to get to. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, Dallas can be still pretty cheap. Okay. Doesn't have to be. But I don't know. I clearly get where you're going with that. But so last week was was the twins' birthday. And we yep. we spent the week with uh, with my daughter in Kansas City. And uh, we told my son... And, and I'm glad my son, my kids have the same sense of humor we have. We told our son point blank, it's because we love her more. Because <laughs> we obviously <laughs> she's got a higher upside potential. <laughs> because she clear, she clearly is one of the favorite. two of you are going to have to take care of us when we're old. Right. Put the money on her. Gonna gonna bet on her, Nick. But my son, back to incredibly frugal, Cheryl said, "Okay, we're going up there. We took Autumn out for a nice dinner. We took her to see Penn and Teller. So we had this great time." Cheryl said, Nick, what do you want for your birthday? You know what he said? Roth contributions. That one's pretty good. He said, I want you to pick up the tab flying me to Thanksgiving too. Nice. Let's make a deal. I was like, high five, man. That is my kid. That is totally my kid. Yeah, because he's looking at flights on out of SeaTac to God knows where. You know what he needs to get, though? Because I've flown in and out of Seattle a number of times. He needs to get clear. You mean to get away from the fog? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the airport. Like, uh, you know, they got pre-check and then they got clear. Yeah. Flying at Thanksgiving, I can only imagine, is about the, what, third level of hell? The the lines? Yes. Oh, I was People and the cancellations and all that stuff. Just, I was listening to a Disney podcast, Yes, There Is Such a Thing. And uh, they, this woman was talking about her trip to Disney last October, and they went to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. Yep. And there's tons of people cool now at the airport, and they've all been trick-or-treating, right? And it's November 1st, and they're at the airport. And for some reason on that day, TSA decides that food has to come out of your bag and has to go on the scanner. And she said they're using this scanning thing to scan every single piece of candy and Disney just had this yeah. huge thing. What a universal studios had their thing. So you got yeah. all these people going home and she said, talk about the outer level of hell. Like that line went forever. Security was incredibly backed mm -hmm. up. Yes. I tried to get every uh, cheater way possible to get through security. I would, you know, I thought about joining like the FBI or something just to like go through there. Cause they've got a faster security. If you're federal law enforcement too, you know, I just like, well, Maybe I'll change jobs so I don't have to <laughs> stand in the security line. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, back so, to video games. Well, definitely want to do that. Back to video games. I'm so happy my kid works for Microsoft. And whenever there's a new game, so you got I video games. I got a, I got a little little handle of Woodford Reserve. So that, that your works. kids bought you alcohol. <laughs> yep. That's good. It's funny too because Mrs. OG she goes, "Hey, I saw that you were out, so uh, so I got you some. You know, you have a cocktail on your birthday." And I went. I'm never out of Woodford. She's like, no, no, I saw the empty bottle in the trash. I, I, I you know, I knew you were Oh, out but there's another one. Oh, no, there's there's a couple up there. <laughs> I buy them. I, I have them shipped in, you know, directly from them. <laughs> they come in boxes, the pallets. Uh, she's like, oh, I didn't see that one up there. I'm like, nobody does. That's the, that's the secret sauce. You know, when you got guests, you've got the, like, it's like a bar at my house. I even have the call. I've got the call stuff up front. So when people come over, they're like, oh, OK, so you guys have uh, Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. I'm like, yep, that's what we got. Like in the back, you know, the top shelf is all the stuff that they can't see. Yeah. 
I'm quite the host. <laughs> the, I mean, for beer, we got Natty Light. If you're interested in that, that's uh, you know we got some of that <laughs> and, and, and ice water. Well, happy Father's Day, belated to you. Yeah, no, you too. The uh, on Father's Day too, though, I had to tell my son a joke, which I've been saving for him for a long time. I mean, what's Father's Day without a bad dad joke? Okay. But but the joke I told him was. This pilot's flying into SeaTac, and it's super foggy, as it is often there, and he can't land the plane. He just he has no idea where the airport is, so he's going around and around. He's got a few passengers with him, and they're getting worried because the fuel meter's going down and down and down. And just as he's getting ready to run out of fuel, the fog lifts in this one part of town where there's some buildings and he swoops down to the buildings and he sees this guy working on the fifth floor. So he rolls down the window to his plane and says to the guy, Hey, can you tell me where I am? And the guy looks at him and with a straight face says, you're in an airplane. And he goes, thank you very much. Rolls up the window, takes a left, takes a left, takes a right, goes about 300 yards, takes another right, lands in the middle of this cloud bank, perfect landing in the middle of the the airport runway and the people with him cheer so happy that he saved their lives and they go but sir how how did you do that like you couldn't land and all of a sudden you you could land he said well when we went down there and we talked to that guy he gave me an answer that was a hundred percent correct and completely worthless which meant I was at the Microsoft tech support building and I knew I just had to go this way, then this way, then that way. And I could like, <laughs> and I've been saying, I've been saving that for my You've been son. Saving that one for a long time. Huh? I've been saving that for him. And he's like, oh, that's funny, dad. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for ridiculing my uh, daily employment. <laughs> my um, employer. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, you're welcome on the game, dad. A-hole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Hope you crash your Forza car. <laughs> Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.